This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. America's Supreme Court struck down a law in the state of New York that required people to demonstrate, quote, proper cause to carry a concealed handgun in public. In a 6-3 to three vote, along ideological lines, the justices ruled that the century-old law infringed on the constitutional right of citizens, quote, with ordinary self-defence needs, to bear arms. It is a major blow to those campaigning for stricter gun control. The 27 members of the European Union formally accepted Ukraine as a candidate for membership. It may take the country more than a decade to actually join, following a long process, but this is a historic step, prompted by Russia's invasion. President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine said it was, quote, a unique and historic moment. The EU leaders also granted candidacy to Moldova. Ukraine received a consignment of high-mobility artillery rocket systems from America. Each carries a pod of six GPS-guided missiles, accurate over distances as far as 70 to 84 kilometres, about three times the range of the howitzers that America has supplied thus far. Mr Zelensky has been pleading for heavy weapons to be delivered, saying that Russia was trying to destroy the whole Donbass region with air and artillery strikes. Federal investigators searched the home of Jeffrey Clark, a former Department of Justice official, in connection with an inquiry into Donald Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Days before the attack on the Capitol on January the 6th, Mr Trump had planned to appoint Mr Clark acting Attorney General. Later, the congressional panel investigating the attack heard that Mr Trump's efforts were thwarted by a small number of officials. Germany moved to the second stage of a three-part emergency plan to deal with a potential shortage of gas after Russia reduced supplies. Germany has accused Russia of using gas as a, quote, weapon in retaliation for EU sanctions provoked by the invasion of Ukraine. Among other measures, Germany's government will now issue loans to help companies fill gas storage facilities. Aid began to arrive in remote parts of Afghanistan hit by a 5.9 magnitude earthquake on Wednesday, which killed at least 1,000 people. The Taliban had called for international support. A senior official said the government was, quote, financially unable to assist the people to the extent that is needed. The UN said it is, quote, fully mobilised, but rescue efforts will be hindered by the terrain, weather and lack of access. Norway's central bank raised its benchmark interest rate from 0.75% to 1.25% in order to contain rising inflation. It was the biggest single rise for 20 years. The bank further warned that interest rates would, quote, most likely go up again in August to 1.5%, predicting that core inflation would reach 3.2% this year, well above its target of around 2%. And fact of the day, 300 kilograms, the weight of a stingray caught on Mekong River on June 13th, the largest freshwater fish ever placed on the scales.
And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. The bitter fight for Donbass. Things look grim for Ukraine's army in Donbass. In Luhansk province, the town of Severodonetsk, where a small number of Ukrainian fighters and civilians are holed up in a chemical plant, is now cut off by road and can be resupplied only by the Donetsk River. Russian troops are also advancing from the south on Lizachansk, a town on the river's other bank. Ukrainian officials warn that Russia may be preparing to mount an assault on Slavyansk, a town in the neighboring Donetsk province. Whether it does depends on how much Russia's army has left in the tank. Its recruits are receiving only three to seven days of training before being thrown into battle, according to BBC Russian. The army has also had to rely on mercenaries from the Wagner Group. An American shipment of high-mobility artillery rocket systems, which arrived on Thursday, may yet enable Ukraine to mount a counteroffensive against their weary Russian foes later in the summer. Black Clouds Over South Asia Indians and Bangladeshis checking the weather on Friday will be told to expect more rain. After a week of relentless downpours and floods across both countries, that will not be welcome news. India's meteorological office reckons that Assam and Meghalaya, two states in the northeast, have seen 134% more rainfall than the average they would have expected this year. Millions of people have been forced from their homes, and drinking water is scarce. Between June and September, the summer monsoon delivers 70% of South Asia's annual rainfall. Crops fail without this yearly deluge, but too much water spells disaster, and climate change is increasing the risks. Scientists estimate that for every degree of global temperature rise, the South Asian monsoon will become 5% wetter. The world has already heated by 1.1 to 1.3 degrees Celsius since pre-industrial times, and further warming is inevitable. Shifting weather patterns will also make the monsoon more erratic and more dangerous. This week is just a foretaste. What will stop British shoppers shopping? Britain's economy is powered by its consumers' willingness to spend. So economists shuddered earlier this year when talk of a cost-of-living crisis sent British shoppers into a funk. According to the GFK Consumer Confidence Barometer, an optimism survey, in May, confidence fell to its lowest level since records began in 1974. Official figures published on Friday are expected to show little improvement. Last month, Rishi Shunak, the councillor, unveiled a support package to cover some of a looming surge in energy bills, but confidence is still recession-inducingly low. Whether the economy manages to escape a nasty spiral of belt tightening depends on whether consumers stop spending. Retail sales have been less than buoyant in recent months, but economists hope that the country's strong job market and the healthy savings stashed up by households during the pandemic can support spending, even as inflation squeezes incomes. 
Brazil's Mixed Economic Bag At first glance, Brazil's economy seems in decent health. Inflation slowed in May, and fresh figures on Friday are likely to show a similar story. Brazil grew by 1% in the first quarter of this year, and unemployment is at a seven-year low. Dig deeper, though, and a more worrying picture emerges. Though slowing, inflation remains high at 12%. To curb it, last week the central bank raised its baseline interest rate again by 0.5 percentage points to 13.25%. That could eat into growth. And although more people are in work, wages are falling while prices are rising. Jair Bolsonaro, Brazil's populist president, knows that Brazilians feeling the pinch could punish him in October, when he is up for re-election. So when Petrobras, the state oil company, tried to raise fuel prices earlier this week, Mr. Bolsonaro forced out its third boss in two years. Mr. Bolsonaro may think he is helping. But the chaos at Petrobras is only fueling the uncertainty. A Presley-approved biopic of Elvis Elvis, the first-ever big-screen biopic of the king of rock and roll, portrayed by an electrifying Austin Butler, is released worldwide on Friday. Its director, Baz Luhrmann, the man behind Strictly Ballroom, Romeo and Juliet, and Moulin Rouge, has constructed his usual kaleidoscope of captions, flashbacks, off-kilter camera angles, and frantic edits. It all makes Elvis Presley's jewel-encrusted white jumpsuits seem tastefully subdued. Beneath all of the baz-razzle-dazzle, though, Elvis follows the Hollywood biopic formula. The film includes all the bullet points on Presley's CV. A deprived childhood in Mississippi and Tennessee, exploitation by his scheming Dutch manager, a fat-suited Tom Hanks, phenomenal fame, forgettable Hollywood movies, dispiriting Las Vegas concerts, and finally, his death in 1977, aged just 42. As the film is authorized by the singer's estate, it cannot be too candid. If Presley had a cheatin' heart or suspicious mind, Mr. Lerman is not saying. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you with a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home, city, and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Friday. What was the name of the communist guerrilla group founded in Peru by Abiel Guzman? Thursday. What term was devised by Arthur Oaken, an economist, to describe a measure that added the unemployment rate to the inflation rate? The winners of last week's crossword. Thank you to everyone who took part in our new weekly crossword published in the weekend edition of Espresso. The winners, chosen at random, were Asia, 
Angguan Sin, Singapore, North America, Sarah Kem, Carbondale, Colorado, USA, Central and South America, Beatriz Gonzalez, Panama City, Panama, Europe, Anton Gris, Kiev, Ukraine, Africa, Christine Rader, Tunis, Tunisia, Oceania, Richard Lyon, Sydney, Australia. They all gave the correct answers of supply chain, shoals, yield, and Norway. Check back tomorrow for this week's crossword. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Leon McLaren. Some men work to maintain others who labor not. That is unjust. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.